Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Hey everyone, it's Sherry Stahl, host of the Soul H2O radio and podcast show, the one that will inspire you to get into the Bible and help you understand it. It's my goal to be relatable and authentically leave you refreshed as you listen to the Soul H2O devotion. I'm so excited you've tuned in for our first show in the Month of the Mother series, episode 141, Getting All Up Close and Personal, where we're getting all up close and personal with our guest, formerly known as the Decorator Coach, and as a Canadian best-selling author, Sue Wells. It's our intention that this show will inspire you to start getting up close and personal with someone else too. Take time to download one of the Soul H2O journal pages to help you dive deep into the teaching segment. Record the scripture mentioned during the show and look up the verses later. Record what God speaks to you and let us know the impact to your heart. Journal pages can be downloaded from the show notes at soulh2o.com slash 141 with scripture graphics, information about our guest or anything else mentioned in the show. Now, let's dive in to today's Soul H2O devotion and get refreshed. One of the most important parts of our Christian faith is to disciple others, to share our faith and help others grow in theirs. Often we forget that we can grow as disciples ourselves, but we shouldn't do it alone. The story of Ruth and Naomi in the Bible is a powerful example of the importance of women getting all up close and personal with each other, something that can turn into relational discipleship. Naomi was an Israeli woman. She and her hubby moved out of Israel with their sons when times got tough. Living so far from home, her son married a Moabite woman named Ruth. When all the men died and the women had no one to support them, Ruth, the young Moabite widow, chose to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi encouraged Ruth to return to her own mother's house, but Ruth refused, saying, Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. This powerful declaration of loyalty and faith shows not only Ruth's devotion to Naomi, but also her desire to grow in faith. You can only imagine how good their relationship must have been for Ruth to make this decision. Naomi took Ruth under her wing, teaching her about the Lord and showing her how to live in Israel. In turn, Ruth was able to encourage Naomi and care for her during a time of depression. Together, they formed a mother-daughter bond, a deep and meaningful relationship that allowed them to grow in faith and love. Today, women can still form these kind of bonds. Relational discipleship like this is all about fostering deep connections with other believers, walking alongside them as they grow in faith and encouraging them to do the same. This kind of discipleship can only happen through meaningful, intentional relationships, friendships that go beyond surface-level conversation and truly invest in one another's spiritual growth. As women of faith, we need to pour into the lives of others and be open to receiving the same poured back into us. We cannot go it alone. 
We need the support and encouragement of our sisters in Christ. We need to have the courage to speak encouraging words, to offer support when we see someone struggling, and to point them back to Christ when they're lost. In Ruth and Naomi's story, we see how this kind of deep, honest relationship can change lives. Ruth was transformed through her relationship with Naomi, growing in faith and becoming an ancestor of Jesus himself. Naomi, too, was transformed as well by Ruth's love and care for her even into her old age. Paul's letters to Timothy also emphasize the importance of relational discipleship within the church. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he writes, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This verse reminds us that we are all called to disciple others, but it is important to choose reliable people who will carry on the faith for generations to come. As a Christian woman, you're uniquely created to form these kind of close relationships. You need to be intentional in building them, seeking out other women or children, your daughters who share your faith and those who don't, making time to truly invest in their lives. This isn't easy. It takes time, effort, vulnerability, and often some of your money. But it's worth it when you grow in faith together and become the kind of Christ-centered community God intends for us all to be, all up close and personal in each other's business. Discover a world of inspiration and information on our website. From the latest news to inspirational Christian devotions and everything in between, we've got it all. Visit us now and see why our website is the go-to destination for everything you need. Check us out today at joyradio.ca. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Sue Wells had a successful career as an interior decorator and was known as the decorator coach. She's a Canadian best-selling author. Her episode on the Deanie Petty show broke a record for audience response. She's a dynamo. Susan is a proud grandmother of seven perfect kiddos who adores their moms and dads too. She's the wife of a great man of purpose, David Wells, the superintendent of our denomination. Nothing relaxes her more than cooking for get-togethers. She loves long walks, especially when connecting with friends, old and new. Tea times and coffee shops really have a hold on this girl. Welcome to the Soul H2O Radio and Podcast Show, Sue. So good to be with you, Sherry. Yeah, well, I hope that people, as they're listening to your bio, they're starting to get a feel for who you really are. This crazy, amazing lady who just continues to rise to the top in the different areas that God has called you to. But you are so fun-loving and just always so welcoming. And that's how I got to know you, not just from your books, (laughs) but I was... I was blessed to know you and Pastor Dave as my first youth pastors, and you welcomed me in your home a lot. Well, um, that was kind of the whole point. And actually, at the time, it wasn't purposeful. It's just what we did, and it means so much to hear about it a long time later. 
Yeah, absolutely. Those times did make a difference for me. Uh, you know, the, a young teenager, you're so impressionable. But spending time with you guys and the way you made us feel so loved, I remember I was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life when you guys were leaving our church and I just could not stop crying. I couldn't imagine life without you guys. Uh, but thankfully, God is good and, you know, he continues to be with us. But as a little 13-year-old, I just couldn't imagine life without you. And I, I'm really thankful that I haven't had to imagine too much of my life where you haven't been around. The feeling was mutual. And uh, when you pour your life, and as you know, you've done that too, Sherry, but when you pour your life into others, it's amazing how that grabs your heart and just doesn't let go. Yeah. Well, you continue to pour your heart into people. And that's the premise of your whole book as you are sharing your life story in your latest book. Um, I, I know that you are just so passionate to help people see how God uses ordinary people um, to change the world. And that was part of your book. And so, you know, was it, you know, intentional the way that you wrote it to kind of emphasize relational discipleship and evangelism? It's interesting, but because years ago when we used to talk about evangelism, it usually was a four-point kind of cold and systematic way to <laughs> reach people, which just doesn't cut it when you're working with, you know, when you're with family and people in your community. And my life was changed by someone opening up their table, uh, someone who really wanted to reach the whole world for their Lord, but they were paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, really couldn't leave their home. And it's like God said to her, you know, you want to win the whole world, but the only tool I'm going to give you is your kitchen table. I know he didn't tell her that, but she used what she had and it changed my life and my entire family's. Absolutely. So the title of your book is called A Place at My Table. And, you know, your whole book title is based out of your experiences that started at her table around food and fellowship and how she so discipled your life. And really, um, you know, did you come to faith in Christ through those times or, or how did you come to faith in Christ? It's interesting, uh, you know, um, in that day, as she shared her faith in Christ with me, really just reading Bible stories from the thought, really about the age of five and on, um, I wasn't really attending a Bible-believing church. And so I would say, now I lay me down to sleep as my prayer before bed each night. And then one night, I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart. I didn't know there was such a thing other than memorized prayers. And as a result mm -hmm. of her just reading Bible stories, right? Someone with little education, almost no church attendance. Uh, the Lord said to me, give your life to me. I knew instinctively it was the voice of the Lord. But from the outside, I often say people like Emma don't get speaking gigs. Because if you say, what are you doing with your life? We expect great stories. And her only response would have been, I read Bible stories to a little girl. Not impressive on the outside. Not impressive on the outside, but so life-changing for you as an individual, not even knowing how God was going to use you in your life and how you've literally been able to travel around the globe in ministry. And God has given you platforms to speak on and to share with people one-on-one -on -one how your life has impacted literally the world. I know she really had an understanding of that as she was pouring into your life as a child. 
That's right. It was her. And I love to tell the stories of other people that came along that did little things. I mean, it all goes back to uh, simple, if you want to call it simple things, when I was just a few days old, having a relative who I didn't know about um, from another city hiding me in the closet. I was five days old and secretly dedicating me to the Lord so she wouldn't be found praying for me and saying, God, bring someone into Susan's life so someday she comes to know you. A one-minute baby dedication. She used all she had. She hid me in a closet. That's incredible. So a one-minute prayer was answered by a lady named Emma years later to really impact your life. The last person in the world I would have picked. I probably would have wanted a flaming evangelist, <laughs> someone with more credentials. <laughs> and um, yeah. so this, yeah, the story we need to be reminded of is God uses us day by day. Um, and so I, I often say the table's not a place. It's where you are. It's who you are, wherever you are. And just continually just using these opportunities to create space for others to vote. Absolutely. And you have been creating space for people to belong for years, decades. And I'm so thankful for that. We're going to take a break and come back and talk more with Sue Wells. I'm Susan Wells from episode 141 and the music pick song for the Soul H2O radio and podcast show is God Really Loves Us by Crowder and Dante Bow, featuring Maverick City Music. I've got a friend. What a savior he is. Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at Joy Radio? Well, the wait is over. I'm Holly Taylor of Good Company. And I'm James Curtis of The Drive. Subscribe to our Joy newsletter, Living Joyfully. And on the second Tuesday of each month, you'll gain exclusive access to powerful testimonials from fellow listeners, inspiring news, opportunities to serve, and much more. Staying connected to Joy Radio has never been easier. Subscribe at joyradio.ca and become a joyful insider. Joy Radio, wherever you are. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. We're back from the break with Sue Wells, author of A Place at My Table. Sue, I've already talked about how you and your hubby were my youth pastors. You taught me the word of God at a young age. And I'm wondering if you could share a Bible study tool or tip that people could implement in their lives to get deeper into God's word. Sherry, one thing that I try to do for myself is when I sit down, and of course, at my age, it's been a lot of years that I've reread the same verses over and over again. But I pause and remind myself that this is the living Word of God. It's not only about gaining information. And I'll, pay, I'll sort of pray a prayer each time and ask God to speak to my heart, have the Holy Spirit say something fresh uh, into my life, and to never take for granted that any time with my Bible could be a life-changing moment. That's so good. Someone just said yesterday, familiarity breeds contempt. We just, you know, we don't want to get too familiar with it. I think that's a really wise bit of advice. And I wonder if you could share a Bible verse with us. The uh, version I'm going to give you is, is kind of an old one. Uh, and you can get some good versions in like the New Living Translations. But there is one verse in the Bible that says, where sin did abound, grace did all the more abound. And so 
it's not the primary application of the verse, but I always claim that for my life, my family's life at the time where things were very imperfect. My father is what you would call nowadays a functional alcoholic. And so where sin was there, there was even more of God's grace that could overcome those circumstances in that home. And I always claim that for my family, no matter how bad it looks, God's grace is greater. Mm, That is really a great verse to apply to that family situation that so many people go through. That's their testimony of what their childhood was like. And I know your childhood, it started off in like an idyllic place of Canada. Where was that? It actually is the northeastern tip of New Brunswick, Campbellton, where I was surrounded by the Appalachian Mountains, uh, narrow river separating us from Gaspé, Quebec. So I, I walked along the river every day, and on the other side of me was always the beautiful Appalachian Mountains. Tourists always there, and I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out why anyone would come to the most boring place on earth. But I see it very differently nowadays. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how we can kind of have, uh, we can be in a beautiful situation where outside it is, it looks beautiful. But like you said, with the the family strife and the situation with your father being a functional alcoholic, that that idealism didn't, you know, go into every area of your life. And so when you came to faith, did that fix all those problems? The interesting thing, is, is many people assume, and there are many stories of people coming to faith that maybe even had had troubled lives themselves, but and my life wasn't so much troubled personally, but they might think the whole family is going to be thrilled, and their family isn't thrilled at all, because I like to say that when you are a believer in a home, if it's a non-believing home, or whenever you're with non-believers, you actually kind of bring chaos into the situation, even without trying, because your lifestyle is different. The way you talk is different. So even if you're not judgy, you do upset the order of things. And in my family's life, I, as a teenager, started going to a church that wasn't from my mother's cultural background. She could only interpret it that I had really turned my back on her or her family, perhaps was thinking that the church people were better. And uh, my father, not that he was against God, but just could not figure out uh, this to him, crazy church, crazy if no other reason than people always wanted to be at church. How weird was that? So uh, <laughs> chaos was created and sometimes judgment was created. And uh, there was, there were at times, not always, but mean time, mean comments directed at me. And so I, I made a vow as a child that the only walls that I, that would be between me and my family would be walls that they could put up. I couldn't stop that but I could control that I would not put up walls in response to that. I would always be there no matter what. And I think it's beautiful how, you know, when you're sharing your story and you talk about these walls that they did put up, your your family put up some walls that you weren't allowed to go to church for for years. But when you were allowed to, you had crazy faith. I think about the story about you trying to get to camp uh, that to me is so incredible. Maybe tell people about that. How much you wanted to hear about God? Well, in my area, there really wasn't a lot of evangelical witness. And so there was a church camp, one province over in Nova Scotia, I could travel for free. So, um, 
And I found out if you got a job at the camp that you could go for free. Now, this was a family camp where no one's watching out for you. And my poor mom, she only thinks of every camp as like a girl guide camp. So I was 12 going on to 13, wrote the camp and asked if I could have a job there working in the kitchen. And I hopped on a train, probably 10 hour train ride, of course, back then, no cell phones. I'm gone for two weeks. And I said to my mom, if you give me $10, I'll be fine for two weeks. And uh, <laughs> I kind of kept her on a need to basis. Um, perhaps that wasn't technically right, but uh, um, the Lord took good care of me. And I understand, you know, you get to the the train station, you didn't have a ride to get to the camp that was hours away, but you just call the camp up and say, I'm here, you know, you got to come get me. Yeah, like, like there's always going to be someone sitting at a desk at a little tiny you know, church camp ready to take your call. I, I hadn't even calculated what would happen if no one answered the phone as I stood at that phone booth with my 25 cent <laughs> deposit. But uh, I think um, there might've been no ha- angels in heaven that night. They were all down here taking care of me. And uh, so that was just started off on a bit of a, a life. If you want to call it, it didn't seem adventurous to me at the time, but um, if things were going to happen, uh, I was, I was going to ask God to make things happen and sometimes jump in and help God out a bit if I had to. <laughs> but I love your faith that you were just so tenacious to to get closer to God, to get to know Him. And you have helped others as you've opened up your tables. And I don't know if you could, you know, in the last closing minutes, just share an experience that people could have or that you've had where you've opened up your table that would encourage others to do the same. I just want to say the best thing that I love about this book, A Place at My Table, is that the story of my family one by one eventually coming to salvation is not a story that took place over six months or six years. It's a story that took decades. And it's not very often that that's addressed. And I want to encourage people to hang in there no matter what is said to you, no matter what is done. You keep connecting, even if it seems they have no interest in you at all. And and that was a challenge to childhood and adult years with my family. And then it reached out to friends as well. And so I just wanted to do for others what was done for me. And someone said, oh, it's so wonderful how you got past that nervousness of sharing faith or anything like that. And Sherry, I'd never gone past being scared if God wait, if I wait for that, nothing's ever going to happen. Oh, Sue, thanks for sharing that with us. Thanks for being here on the show today. So good to be with you. The story of Ruth and Naomi demonstrates the power and importance of relational discipleship in the lives of women. Sue's life story shows us that when you invest in someone else's life through a deep, meaningful relationship, you'll never know what God can do through you. My challenge for you today is to ask God, who is your Sue? Who needs someone to come alongside them? Then jump out of your comfort zone and ask them to do something together. You just never know what could happen. From all of us here at Joy Radio, we're so glad you joined us for episode 141, Getting All Up Close and Personal, the first in our Month of the Mother series. 
Make sure to check out the show notes for scripture graphics, information about our guest, and links to anything mentioned in the show at soulh2o.com slash 141. I hope you'll share this episode with your friends and family. Take a screen capture while you're listening on your device and share on your social media to help spread the word about Soul H2O. Come back next week for episode 142, Prayers That Stick. Until then, I'm praying you stay blessed and refreshed. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O Podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.